Good morning. You know, last year was going to be my first time leading an Easter service. But this time is my first time getting to do it in the pulpit. So I get to say this finally. He is risen. He is risen Beautiful. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is April the 4th. Go just over the few announcements that we have. We will be singing at the end of worship today. You are welcome to stay and join in that. If you feel uncomfortable, that's understandable. And I'll be at the back door greeting folks as, as they're ready to go. Bible study is canceled this week. We'll resume the following week. That's uh, my bad. I had forgotten I am scheduled for a uh, getting ready for the baby and doing videos so we're knowing where we're going and all that kind of fun stuff because they're not letting people in the hospital. <laughs> we had kids closet last yesterday. Did we have anyone? We just had one family. We just had one family, but I'm so glad we were able to be open for that family. And of course, we have the beautiful tulips this morning. If you look on the back of your bulletin insert, you'll see there what, who the flowers are here in honor of and in memory of. I am so glad to see all of you here, and I hope, uh, I know many of you are planning to get together with family later today, and I hope you have safe travels, and they have safe travels, and that you have a wonderful feast. Are there any other announcements? He may end up putting me on some other team so you have a better chance. <laughs> uh, Mike, do we have a date for that yet? Or... First game should be May 16th. Okay, so starting about May 16th, uh, softball will return and more details will come out as, as details are firmed up on it. So softball returns. As we move into a time of joys and concerns, I do have two up here, both from our sister Gail. A prayer for Eric, who about last, this time last year or so, uh, we were, were praying for as he had mouth cancer and needed to have his tongue removed. Unfortunately, while that did take care of the cancer for then, the cancer has returned and has been found in his jaw. So they are looking into what to do next, and we'll be learning more of that information in the next week. Prayers also for Janelle, who is uh, one of the caretakers who helps Gail, the woman Gail lives with. She's having also some issues um, with, with female anatomy and will be having assessments made this week as to what's happening and how they're going to move forward. And Robin's beginning, so prayers for, for Robin, who is beginning chemo treatment uh, this coming week and other appointments, and prayers for our sister Norma. Prayers for our brother Milton, who was unknowingly exposed to COVID this last week and has had to forego getting his shot yet. Um, so big prayers as as he's waiting to see what's happening and we're hoping he doesn't catch it and he's able to get his shot. I have one small announcement that I realize I've forgotten. We do have one more piece of special music today. 
by our sisters Olivia and Janice, and that will happen between the scripture and the sermon. If you will join me as we enter this time of worship, listening to the opening music. My apologies, I forgot we're doing a call to worship together today. If you'll join me in the call to worship. Jesus was raised on the cross and put to death by those who opposed his call to the kingdom. He suffered and died there. They laid him in the earth, a tomb, a tomb of stone, a place hidden away, a place to be forgotten. For one day he laid there until his friends came to prepare his body. It wasn't there. The stone was rolled away. The place no longer. They tried to hide him away, to squash the good news, to deny the kingdom. But Jesus broke through, clearing our path to God, cleansing our souls, and bringing the kingdom. He is risen.
you'll pray with me. Risen Savior, you conquered death. You harrowed the underworld. You raised the path to God. We come here to celebrate, to dance, to sing, to cry with joy. For the pathway is made open to us. We thank you. We thank you. Be with us as we celebrate. Change our hearts. Open us up. As we gather, we lift up in prayer our sisters and brothers who are in need of healing, in need of your presence and ours. We lift up Eric and Janelle. We lift up Robin and Norma, and Milton. We pray for healing. We pray for comfort. We pray for joy in times of sorrow and worry. We know that whatever is on our hearts, whatever moments are frightening or scary, that dawn comes, that new light comes and changes everything. Holy Creator, risen Savior, rise in us. Amen. Our scripture today is Mark 14, 50 through 52 and 16, 1 through 8. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught a hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother, uh, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices, so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away this stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which had been very large, had already been rolling back rolling back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he was, is going ahead of you to Galilee. There he will see you just, as you, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, 
for terror and amazement has seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And all that had been commanded to them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterwards, Jesus himself sent through them, sent out through them from Jesus himself sent out through them from the east to the west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Blessed is the word. Good morning. Happy Easter.
I'm sorry. Um, it's been a really tough week. It's been a really cra crazy week. He's dead. But Mary says he isn't. I don't... <sighs> I'm sorry. Did you guys hear about Yeshua? You're all Greeks, aren't you? Um, what do you guys call him? Jesus. You guys heard about this guy, Jesus. They, the Romans, they just killed him. He was my friend. And they... This morning, Mary went and they told me he's not there. He's alive, but he's dead. They stabbed him with a spear. I should start at the beginning. I met Jesus like three years ago. Uh, my brother and I are fishermen. At least we were three years ago. Uh, it had been a really tough night. If, have any of you ever been fishermen for a living? No? My father's did it. My father's father and my father's father. All the way back, my dad used to joke until you found someone who said, you know what smells better than sheep? Fish. So we grew up being fishermen. Mom got us out there as early as she could. You know, she, she loved it when dad went fishing. Couldn't wait for us to get out of the house. But it had been a really bad night. And if you're a fisherman and you don't catch anything, you know what you eat? Nothing. <laughs> Can't have anything to buy either because you didn't have any fish to sell. So we were out fishing and we were coming in. And there's this guy, Jesus, out there talking to some people. Now, the thing is, is when you live in Capernaum, every week or so, you get some new preacher coming through. And so you learn to ignore them. Because we were fishermen. We had a lot of work to do. So I saw him and I said, hey, Simon, you know, let's just go park elsewhere. I don't want to have to listen to him, too. We don't need all these people seeing. We don't need to have anything. Simon said, sure. But just as we were pulling around, this Jesus standing on the shore goes, hey, catch any fish? Yeah, do you see them all? Throw it on the other side. Simon doesn't like people telling him what to do. Hey, you preacher man, I don't tell you how to preach, you don't tell me how to fish. Throw it in on the other side. I turned to Simon, let's just do it. If he's wrong and we don't catch anything, it's his fault. If we catch something, then at least we have something to eat. We pulled up so much fish, I couldn't believe it. I, I've been a fisherman all my life. And I have never seen so much fish in a single net. We could barely drag it in. That was the first thing he showed us. That listening to him changed what was happening in our lives. We pulled the fish in, we came ashore. And he said, and I wish I could remember what he said, because he said it much more eloquently, I'm sure. He said something like, you are fishers of fish. 
just doesn't sound like him. He was better than that. You are fishers of fish, but I will make you fishers of men. Simon's a little sarcastic. Hey, preacher man, I could barely pick up these fish. What makes you think I can pick up men in the net? But there was something different about him. He, he knew things. He understood things. But he lived it differently. You know, as I said, we've seen a lot of preachers. You know, we, we live not far from the hills where, you know, all the, the rebels like to live. So a lot of them are the ones who come in and try to get us to pick up arms and fight with them. But this Jesus, he... He taught something different. He understood the law. He understood what it means to be a good follower of God. But he called for a different way of doing it. And we found ourselves really attracted. He had such a a great smile. So we soon found ourselves hanging up our nets and following him. And there were, there were 12 of us. There's my brother, Simon. You know, he doesn't have a good, strong name like Andrew, so Jesus changed it for him. Called him Peter. I call him Pete. He didn't like it. So there's Pete and I. And then there were the, the young boys who lived next door, James, John. They're really loud. Uh, you know, there's Matthew Levi. I can never... Keep them too straight. Philip and Judas. Anyway, anyway. Jesus took us to see things we never would have done, never would have seen. You know, Levi, he's one of those. If, if only I hadn't listened to mom all those years, I would have been amazed by Levi. You see, Levi was a tax collector. Don't hold it against him, please. He's a great guy. But I remember walking with mom and we would go visit the relatives in the next town over and we'd pass people like Levi and she'd point at him and go, don't be like him. Be a fisherman like dad. Okay, mom. I get why. But if... I hadn't listened. If I had gotten to know Levi earlier, I would have known my very funny friend for a long time. I mean, just the other day he told this a joke. He said, guys, we need to go to a Honda dealership. Oh, why? Because Jesus says we're all in one accord. (laughs) I'm glad my Jewish humor, you know, is making all you Greeks happy. Anyway, he was so excited. I couldn't, we couldn't believe it. Like when he was called out, he realized that he could be a good person according to God. Do you know what it's like to feel like you're never good enough? Like you never do things the right way or enough the right way? That you're always a disappointment? That's honestly how a lot of us live. But Levi more than most, because... He was a tax collector. He worked for the Romans. But God's 
Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Come, follow me. And so he came. And he was so excited, he said, hey, guys, come over to my house. Let's eat. And he invited all of his friends, all those other outcasts, other tax collectors and prostitutes and those who have, like, demons in them. He invited them in to sit and eat with Jesus, to get to know Jesus, too. I would never have done that if I listened to mom. Never would have gotten to sit with these people. Not everyone liked it. There was uh, Ananias, our, 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 our teacher in our synagogue in town. He didn't like it. So he came in and he told Jesus as much. Like, don't hang out with them, Jesus. You're a good preacher, man. Why don't you go hang out with me? Jesus didn't like other people who knew the law. It felt like that sometimes because he never gave them any room for error. There was lots of room for error for us who struggled to get things right. For those who knew better, he didn't give a lot of room. He told him, look, you're pretty well off. You're healthy spiritually and physically. But I'm here for these people, those who need healing, both in spirit and body. Don't worry about it. Spent a lot of time with people who needed that healing, who needed to know they were loved too. Come to think of it, he spent three years with us. Does that mean we did more than the average? Great. Anyway. We spent a lot of time doing that hanging out with people that no one else wanted to. And then Jesus going on to these scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and everyone who knew better and telling them exactly what they were supposed to be doing and not. They were always putting up rules in our way. They were always worried that we would be walking too far on Sabbath. Or, you know, one time they yelled at us because we were hungry, and as we walked through this field, we were picking up wheat grain going like this. Have any of you ever done this? Any, any wheat farmers? Okay, yeah, yeah, you go like this, and the wheat comes apart, and then you can eat it. They didn't like that. But Jesus would just look at them and go, hey, do you follow every rule perfectly? No. In fact, you change some rules to make your life better and to oppose those who already are struggling. Hypocrites. It wasn't always easy, though. I remember when Jesus took us home to see his mom. We went up to Nazareth. Now, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you live in a place and you never go visit the things in the area. Never been to Nazareth. Sure, it was just a day's walk down the road, but why go to Nazareth? We went up there and we were sitting in his synagogue and I could even picture little Jesus, you know, running up and down the rows before they started teaching and I don't know, he, he was a prankster. He's probably, you know, turning the guy's wine into water. And he got up to speak. 
and he starts reading from the scrolls, you know, the, the ancient writings, and they threw him out. They don't talk about this a lot, but that really hurt. I mean, imagine if my mom threw me out. And Pete's wife and he, they don't always get along great. But I know how painful it is for him to just be away from his wife all the time. Imagine getting kicked out and told you're not welcome. Anyway, we kept walking. We walked all over the place, all around Galilee. We went into neighboring provinces. We went into the areas where no one knew who we were. And eventually, we started to head towards Jerusalem. You all know Jerusalem, right? That's our ancient capital. See, a long time ago, there was this guy named Saul. I know you're all Greeks. You don't know any of this. There's this guy named Saul, and they made him king. But he wasn't that great. And so they replaced him with another guy named David. David is this, you know, is this kind of hero for us. And he beat back all of our enemies around the edges, and he built us into a powerful nation. And then he had a son named Solomon who built this grand temple to God. But ever since then, we have fallen. Every king since then. Sure, there's been a couple good ones, but most of them weren't. And we fell and fell. We fought among one another. But the prophets kept telling us, don't worry. A day will come, a day will come when there will be a Messiah. Oh, what do you Greek, what did Philip say? Messiah in Greek is Gentile, no, um, Christ. I think you guys call it Christ, means anointed one. When we ever we had a king, we anointed them. So the anointed one is the Messiah, which I think you guys call Christ. We started to head towards Jerusalem, and we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, he told Peter basically as much. So we got closer and closer and closer. And all the time, we have more people gathering around us, more people hearing this good news, this good news that this kingdom, the kingdom of the Messiah is near. The kingdom of God, what we once were, this big, beautiful, powerful kingdom with God as the supreme ruler. It was coming. Not everyone got it. Some people really struggled. I remember this rich guy wanted to join us. He was a really good guy. I mean, he was telling us how, how he had always followed every single rule that Moses had written down that he worshipped God. But Jesus told him, you can't get in quite yet. You still are being held back by your earthly desires, by your wealth. Made me think, Jesus, what's holding me back? I guess Pete. 
Yeah, it's Pete. I told you I give my brother a hard time. But we got closer and then we arrived. So this is just last week. You wouldn't have believed it unless you were there. But we get here and and Philip and Levi, they go off and they go get a donkey. Because, I mean, every good story starts with a donkey. And we brought the donkey over and we all took off our jackets and we threw them over the donkey and Jesus hopped on it. And then we started walking down the main road that goes up to the temple. And we started saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, God. Here comes the one in the name of the Lord. And the other disciples and our other followers who had joined us were so excited, they started taking off their cloaks and throwing them on the road in front of the donkey. And they got, other people went out into the fields and cut off branches and threw it down too. And we marched up because this was going to be the time. We were going to return to what we once were, that powerful God-fearing kingdom. Jesus would march up there. He would kick all those people out of the temple that were abusing us people. He was going to throw the Romans out and sit upon the throne of David. And we got up to the temple, and they opened up the gates, and Jesus looked in, and he said, it's kind of late. Let's go get dinner. Seriously? Jesus? We never miss dinner with him. That's true. So we went back out. But the next day, the next day is when it happened. We went back up to the temple and we thought, this is it. And sure enough, Jesus goes in and he starts kicking tables over and the birds are flying around and there's this young bull that's chasing everyone. It was great. And Jesus got up and he started preaching and telling those temple priests and those Sadducees exactly who they were. And I can't say it in polite company, not even the Gentiles. They just sat there, or stood, in the back, all the way in the back, just sneering at Jesus. And we went and we had dinner again. But something changed. He started talking about death. I guess as I think back about it, he talked a lot about death, about something horrific. Horrific to come. And then yeah, it came to Passover. And we went to this place. It was a house with a, with a room for us to stay in. And we came in. And Jesus asked us to sit. And then he took off his cloak. And he wrapped a towel around himself. And he started to wash our feet. <laughs> Have you ever walked on a road in Judea? We have sheep and goats and cows and horses. Not to mention people. 
When I come in after a long walk, my feet are disgusting. But he wanted us to sit. And our friend, our teacher, our master, he bent down and washed the, off our feet. That's not what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the ones who care for him. Peter wouldn't have anything to do with it. He didn't like Jesus lowering himself in any way. So he said, don't, don't do it, Jesus. Jesus said, no, I have to. Fine, don't wash my feet, then wash all of me. Make me fully yours. I've told you. I don't, I don't, I'm not here for the healthy. You are mostly clean. You are mostly healthy. I'm just going to wash off of you that which isn't. And so we each sat, all 12 of us, and he washed our feet. And then we ate. And he told us that one of us would betray him. I didn't even notice him leave. I wish I had. Maybe, maybe there was something I could have said to him to change his mind, to stop him. But I just sat there. We left. We, we completed the Passover meal and we left. And we walked over to Gethsemane, the garden. You know, when I would spend nights with my brother and my dad out on the ocean, out on the sea, you know, the only light you had was the, the stars and the moon. And the ocean looks like silvered glass, undulating moving quietly under you. The garden looked a lot like that. There was only moon and starlight. Everything from, from the fresh lilies that had just bloomed, that glowed bone white in the stars, to those deep, dark shadows, darker than a tomb, shades of silver glass. Jesus told us the rest, and he took two or three with him. Pete was one, and he went off to pray. I asked Pete, you know, what, what was he saying? What did he do? And Pete's like, I don't know. I fell asleep. Pete. I thought I heard weeping. And after a while, Jesus came back. And while we were all sitting there, out of nowhere appears Judas. That's then I realized that he hadn't been with us. And then he goes and he kisses Jesus on the cheek and they take him. 
he tried to stop it. He, he pulled out a sword and he cut a guy and Jesus yelled at him. But we all fled. We all ran. We couldn't stay there. Why? Pete tried to follow later. He, we found out the story from him. Apparently, they, they took him before they took him before the temple people. And they interrogated him. And they decided they couldn't handle it, so they sent him off to Pilate. Never trust a Roman farther than you can toss him. Pilate just sends him off to Herod. Never trust a Herod any farther. Finally, Pilate gives the people a choice. Look, you can free Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus Barabbas. If you didn't hear about him, he's the one who was, you know, stealing recently. Whole bandit of thieves. And those crowds, those same crowds that just days ago were singing Hosanna and throwing their cloaks on the ground, now they said, free Barabbas. Jesus was taken. I couldn't go. I, 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 I couldn't see him on the cross. John went. He took Mary and Mary and Mary. I wasn't there when they crucified him. I couldn't. But we knew when he died. It was like the whole earth cried out. It thundered, it shook. We knew when he died. I guess one bright spot is the Romans let us take him down. They don't usually do that. I don't know why, but they did. So we took him down, or rather, they took him down. We were all hiding. And this guy, uh, Joseph from Arimathea, he let them take him and put him in his tomb. But we couldn't do anything then. It was already too late. You're Gentiles. Um, we put our people in tombs. And then we anoint them and prepare them to be in there for about a year or so. And then we go back in and we collect the bones and we put them in what we call an ossuary. It's a bone cask. But we couldn't do it because it was Sabbath. You can't do that on Sabbath. And so we spent all of that day just sitting there. feeling terrible. We weren't there. We weren't there. We had abandoned him. You know, I used, I used to love the night. Up until that moment at Gethsemane, sitting there among the silver glass, 
and I found myself hating it. I remember just sitting against the door as darkness enveloped Sabbath, as slowly we crept into the next day, just sitting there hating me. sitting there angry with Jesus. He said the kingdom was nigh. And now he's gone. Maybe we were wrong. I kept thinking, maybe he wasn't the Messiah. And then Mary, I guess I must have fallen asleep at some point because Mary woke me up as she went by Mary, Mary, and Mary, Mary the mother, Jesus' mom. That woman has steel in her core. I mean, after Joseph's death and then going to watch her eldest, most beloved son hanging on that tree. And Mary uh, Magdalene, you know, if, if Pete was supposed to be in charge, there's only one person who uh, really stood against him at any one point. It was Magdalene. She was strong. And she was more faithful than all of us, I think. And their friend, Mary Salome. I guess I must have drifted off again because I felt like they were back in 10 minutes. It was still barely light out. It was far too early. They, they were supposed to be there for hours. I mean, they had to roll the, the stone out, and they had to go in and remove the cloth and anoint him. But she was back already saying some fast gibberish about he's not dead. So Pete and John ran. And the rest of us were like, you know, throwing on our shoes and ready to follow, and, and Thomas stopped us. He's like, look, just be careful. This may have something to do with the Romans. Maybe they're trying to catch us all. Thomas always saw conspiracies. He always doubted people were doing things for the right reason. So we waited, and, and then back came Mary and Peter and John, and they confirmed the story. The tomb was empty. Mary said she had gone there, and the stone was already rolled away, just like that. And the Roman guards, or the temple guards, whoever guards, they were just lying on the ground. And they went in, and they met something. I, I, I got to believe it's an angel. You know, they, they tell the story about Father Moses. He, he would go and he would visit God. And when he saw God... His whole body would glow with God's light. And they would make him put on a veil so he didn't scare everyone. They said this person was shining like starlight. It must have been somebody from God. And he said, he is not here. He is risen. You don't, you don't come back from being dead, right? But he was back from being dead. And he was definitely dead. I mean, they, they hung him on a cross and they stabbed him. 
Mary said, as she was coming back then, she found Jesus living, breathing, talking. She grabbed Jesus. He was there. He is actually risen, she said. I mean, I'm trying to believe this. I'm still trying, try, try, trying to believe this. I mean, this is beyond belief. This is beyond anything I've ever heard of. This is a ghost story my uncle used to tell me when we were sitting in the boat. But I've seen a man walk on water. I've seen a man come back out of a tomb. I guess a man can raise himself from the dead. Jesus kept telling us the kingdom was nigh and telling us to stop putting our expectations ahead of reality. So, I guess this is reality and not what my expectations are. I'm trying to believe. I'm really trying. So, Mary said, Jesus told us to go to Galilee. I've been thinking back across these three years. Why, why was all this time with Jesus if we weren't going to be ruling this land? It must be something else. Something bigger. He sent us out before. I think he's doing it again. It seems like him. That seems like something he would do. So we must be going to Galilee to get ready to go out again. So I guess these three years have been getting us ready for this moment. That this isn't an ending, but a beginning. I don't get it. I think I'm going to need help. He said he'd send another, so I guess we're going to get help. All right, Jesus. I guess I'm done fishing for fish. If you're going to help me, I'll fish for men. I'll fish for men. Thanks for listening. I believe in the sun, 
We have spent the last 12 weeks going through, well, since Christmas and through Lent, working our way through the story of Mark. I love Mark's book. Jesus is enigmatic. He's a mystery. He appears, he disappears, he does things. And by the time you reach the end, you realize that all of your expectations of who this Messiah was supposed to be, who Christ was supposed to be, uh, most of them are broken. 
and instead you meet a Christ who is calling us to a world beyond and to a life beyond what we came for. I know this is not a surprise for any of you. For no one in here, this is the first time they've heard the Easter story. But I still hope that you are renewed by it. That just as those first disciples realized that something amazing had happened, that even though all their expectations had died on the cross, they were given new and better ones when they approached the empty tomb. So go out. Be energized. Open your eyes to a world that is different than what you expected. Open your eyes to the way that is different than what you came to believe would be there. Jesus will keep challenging you at every single step. Just when you think you have it right, you will be challenged. And if you aren't, you're just not listening hard enough. So, he is risen. He's not here. He's out there waiting. So go out. Meet Jesus. Meet him on your road, whether you're heading to Emmaus or Barberton. Meet him at work when you're just trying to catch a few fish. Meet him when you're doing the wrong thing. Be blinded by him and changed. That's what it's about. Be filled, be transformed, be changed, be his. Blessings on all of you. He has risen, he has risen indeed. Amen. Oh,